Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 64th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast with Venus O'Hara. In this first quarter episode, we'll be discussing diet and fitness. We'll be speaking with Sherry Shaban, who is a diet and fitness expert, and she's actually anti-diet. She's also the host of the podcast, Fall in Love with Fitness. Then we'll be discussing the book, The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz. And the episode ends with a guided meditation with affirmations for healthy diet and fitness. But first, let me share with you my experience with diet and fitness. After the overindulgence of Christmas time, a lot of people want to start the year doing a diet and getting healthy and detoxing, this word we hear a lot around this time of year. And today I thought it'd be appropriate to speak to a plant-based fitness guru who is very interesting because she has an approach to food which is about anti-diet and intuitive eating and her podcast is called Fall in Love with Fitness. So it's all very inspiring, especially at this time of year when people are feeling a little bit um, well, I guess motivated to ch- make some changes, but also a little bit heavier, let's say, after the after the Christmas season. And for me, um, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted, and I was a lot skinnier, maybe around 2016. And I love that feeling of just being able to eat whatever I wanted. And if I wanted chocolate, if I wanted Pepsi, it was kind of cool because, I mean, I didn't really put weight on um, and then after, as the years went by, I think what one of the biggest um, things that changed for me is that I gave up tobacco and then and that really changed my metabolism. I could no longer get away with eating whatever I wanted. That said, I think um, it was a very good thing to give up tobacco. It's one of my biggest life regrets is having smoked. That is the worst thing I've ever done and I'll never, ever go back to that, knowing how difficult it was to give up. But after giving up tobacco, I did um, gain, I don't know, maybe five kilos or something. And then after that, after the pandemic, I gained even more weight because I, in the first few episodes of my podcast, I was talking a lot about my pandemic weight gain because I was in hospital three years ago and I had COVID pneumonia and I also had anemia and I had to really eat more to get my strength back and also I wasn't very I wasn't moving around very much because pneumonia is the most exhausting thing ever and in this time of um, just eating more and not moving at all I put on quite a lot of weight to the point where I was at my heaviest that I've ever been and all my favorite clothes just didn't fit me and that was a very new sensation for me it's never happened to me before I mean sometimes in my life I've lost or gained five kilos here or there but that doesn't really change how I fit or, or the, the clothes that I'm able to wear. It's just maybe some might, might be more or less comfortable, but I can still wear the same things. Whereas at that time, I couldn't wear my favorite trousers and my favorite jeans. And I had to get an, a couple of new pairs for, to fit my bigger body, which was a really hard situation. I remember just going to the supermarket and buy, not supermarkets, um, I'm just thinking of El Corte Inglés, which is a big department store here. Uh, in in Spain and I went to get some jeans and some clothes and I got my normal sizing and then I went to the, went to the changing room and I was absolutely horrified to see that the, my normal sizes were just not fitting. I think I was in denial about how much weight I put on and it was kind of like, oh my God, I need to do something about this. And I actually went to a vegan um, nutritionist, which I highly recommend anyone to do. Um, now, also this month is also Veganuary. A lot of people are taking part in Veganuary to go vegan for the whole month of January. And some will stick to it and some others won't. And for me, um, I, I think going vegan requires um, a lot of knowledge. You have to know what you're doing because it's not just about taking away plant, um, sorry, animal foods and then just um, eating 
what whatever's left. You have to really be mindful about all the vitamins and all the minerals that you need. And an app that I really love is one called Chronometer, which allows you to log all your food and you get kind of an idea about what you're getting from each meal, um, which is really cool because when you get to, let's say, lunchtime, you can see on these graphs which um, uh, which vitamins and, and minerals are missing for you to actually complete your day. And, and with that information, you can actually think about what to eat for dinner. So you get a full um, a full um, um, get a perfect reading for that day. But it's not just about the day; it's about the week overall. I mean, because some days you might have more or less of a certain um, vitamin, and then you might make up for it the day after, and vice versa. So that's something I've done, and also getting blood work. I think it's really important to um, get blood work. And for me, I really think going to a nutritionist was one of the best things I did because I thought I knew a lot about nutrition but I realized that there was always something to learn and there's also many different perspectives on how to eat and what the healthiest way to eat is and for me my objective when I went to a vegan nutritionist was actually to lose fat so they put me on a diet which was high protein low carb and it was kind of cool at the beginning because it was a whole new way of eating for me and it meant that I actually stayed full for longer because I really didn't want to have um I didn't want to have small portions because I am a foodie. So it was really nice to actually have a nutritionist who was encouraging um, the, the, the amazing breakfasts that I make. And um, I was learning a whole new way of eating lunch, which was based on um, more protein and vegetables and things like that, but no um, starchy carbs. And that's something that's kind of a new, a very new thing for me because I, I was brought up in an Irish family. So it was potatoes, potatoes, potatoes every day. I didn't even know what pasta was until I was about 12. So potatoes and bread has been a big staple in my diet growing up. So to actually take those away, because I thought, you know, you have to be full. That was the kind of feeling I had whenever I ate. But um, I was le learning something completely new. So that protein helped me stay full and I wasn't um, I wasn't um, craving food at all, which was a nice sensation. And then within a few months, I was able to get back into my, my favorite trousers, which was amazing. But then... Um, I, I guess um, it wasn't really about having a diet. It, it became um, actually a new habit. And now over two years later on this, um, since I went first went to the nutritionist, I've kind of adopted this way of eating um, in, most, in most of my meals. But now just recently, I just rediscovered quinoa. So I'm getting back into a few carbs here and there. And I'm feeling a bit more relaxed about if I crave um, potatoes or um bread or, or even pizza, things like that. So I'm a bit more forgiving with myself. And I always have dessert when I go out for dinner. I go out for dinner maybe once or twice a week. So I allow myself to have one or two cheat meals. But right now I'm just a lot more relaxed about it. And, and overall, I did lose about five or six kilos. And that was nice. And I could probably lose, you know, to get to my ideal weight would probably, you know, I could, it should be maybe three, four kilos more, maybe five. I haven't weighed myself for a long time. But right now I just can't be bothered. I just I'm just really enjoying food, and also I was doing this um, resistance training, strength training workout for quite a lot, and I've kind of fallen off um, the wagon in the last few months actually. And I was influenced by the documentary about the blue zones that's on Netflix. I highly recommend it if, if you haven't seen it. It talks about all these different areas in the world where there is a high concentration of people who are living to a hundred, and it examines what these places have in common. And one of the things um, that was really intriguing to me is about movement. It's not so much about going to the gym, but it more about that daily movement, the walking, the gardening, even gardening is great for kind of just crouching down and just getting up and um, and, and not sitting down all day. Because I think sitting down is obviously a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. I have a standing desk and I try to walk 10,000 steps a day. And now um, it's going to be four years since I took public transport here in Barcelona. I've been walking everywhere. Even if it's on the other side of town, I'm always walking. So I think that's something that I um, am very passionate about is this that walking. But I, I still do spend a lot of day sitting down. And I recently just rediscovered salsa as well, which is fantastic cardio. But I do need to get back into the gym to get more of my of my weights um, going on as well. So to actually get some balance and have um, yeah, a bit more movement overall. But I'm being very kind to myself. So um, yeah, it's been, um, yes, I'm eating delicious foods. And I'm very intrigued about the idea of um, anti-diet, what that means, actually. I think that's a very 
seductive term for anyone who loves food and but also craves a healthy lifestyle and also the strength and the vitality that that can provide. Anyway, let's speak to an expert now and we're going to find out so much more. Do you like to boost your libido? If so, check out InnoDrive for Her from InnoSups. It's your ticket to kicking those menopausal symptoms and hormonal weight gain to the curb, all while keeping things positive and in hormonal harmony, the natural way. The wonderful thing about InnoDrive for Her is that there are no artificial sweeteners, fillers, or dodgy additives. It's made with good, clean ingredients. And it offers many perks, natural hormonal balance, a turbocharged sex drive, and ultimate satisfaction. It can help you conquer hormonal weight gain and boost your mood and energy levels. If you're curious, head over to InnoSupps.com. That's I-N-N-O-S-U-P-P-S dot com. And use the code VENUS at the checkout for 20% off any purchase. Check out the link in the show notes and enjoy that little extra oomph. Now it's time for this episode's interview. We'll be speaking with Sherry Shaban, a fitness expert and host of the podcast, Fall in Love with Fitness. Sherry Shaban, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for taking part in this interview today. I'm very happy to have you here, especially when I read your profile. I was very excited to interview you. For those who are unfamiliar with your work, could you tell us what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so honored to be here today. So I'm a health and life coach based from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, where it's quite cold over here. <laughs> and I'm also an osteopath and the creator of Fall in Love with Fitness podcast and Make Peace with Food. I love it. So you're based in Montreal now? Yes. You're very cold. <laughs> Very cold. Not very cool, but very cold. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Barcelona. So it's just a little bit warmer. Oh, yeah. Into Barcelona? Um, I have not. No, no, I haven't. But that's definitely on the bucket list. I've been in other areas in Europe, but Spain is definitely on, on top of the list. Amazing. So what inspired you to follow this path of health and fitness? Well, super interesting, actually. I, I think growing up, I always kind of envisioned myself being a teacher of some sort. And I always saw myself in that environment of helping others. And when I was growing up, I was really heavily involved in sports. I was a competitive swimmer. I was on the, all the varsity sports. I was always MVP, placed first place, that type of thing. And then by the time I got into high school, one day I was actually going downtown. I was living in Switzerland at that time. I was going downtown to purchase Pearl Jam concert tickets with my roommate and I was struck by a car and I ended up damaging my spine um, in that accident and then needing to go on and have back surgery and being told of course that I was never allowed to play sports again and so I had actually listened to that doctor's advice for many years up until my early 20s where one day I just kind of woke up and I'm like okay who is this person this is not me I'm doing all these things that are really not aligned with who I am or who I always envision myself to be. And then it was that time, actually, I was studying chemistry of all things, doing my master's in chemistry. It was during that time that I actually went into the gym and then just started to watch what people were doing. And I started to imitate people and did this for many, many months. And to make a super long story short, after the span of a few months, I was actually able to come off of my pain medication, which I was relying on on a daily basis. And that's what really just sort of opened up my eyes to this is my purpose. And after having overcome my back pain, I wanted to help other people do this too, because if I was never allowed to play sports again, and here I found a way to find stability and strength, I wanted to help people overcome obstacles. And so that's really what began my journey into helping people overcome either obstacles of injury or dis-ease or even just struggles with releasing weight or limiting beliefs around identity. And so it's just been an ongoing journey and I'm a student for life and the journey continues. Oh, I think I'd feel really invincible if I managed to prove a doctor wrong. Did you feel like that? <laughs> was... Well, there was part of me that was a bit angry, like, why did you tell me this? Like, that's not mm -hmm. true. Um, but then also it just it just humbled me so much into just this this beautiful intelligence and knowing of the human body and, and the human body is our internal physician. 
Because if we actually just tune out all of the things that we hear and the things that we're told we're supposed to do and not supposed to do and actually intuitively start to listen to our body, we're going to know what we should eat and we're going to know what feels right for us and we're going to know how we should move and we're going to know what feels right in terms of all the other components of our diet, which also includes the conversations that we sit in, the things that we watch on TV, the influences that we have from our environment. And so I truly believe that once we're actually in that listener of of what really the body is calling for, then the answers will always appear. That's, that's really amazing. So I've I've read that you are plant-based and why why is that? How long have you been plant-based and what was the what inspired you to not eat animal products? Yeah, so so a, a few times actually in my life I had tried to uh, transition into being plant-based and the first couple of times I'll say, um, I think I just got busy and I wasn't super keen and, and just respectful of what I was actually ingesting, which is why I prefer the word plant-based. I know we had that conversation versus versus vegan. And, you know, the first time I was in, again, in my early 20s, and I just wasn't being mindful of what I was consuming. As long as it didn't have animal products, I was consuming it, and which didn't necessarily translate to optimal health for me. And I started getting anemic and things like that. But actually, the, the second time and the time that I actually did it properly was around 2019. It was um, the beginning of 2019. And that was actually the year that my my mom passed away. And the reason I started and, and during that time, I'm, I'm, I'll say I wasn't a, a, a big animal product eater in any case, but she was very ill. She was terminally ill. And at one point, she just could not eat any more animal, animal products. She just couldn't digest it. And so while the rest of my family was like, come on, eat and, and you need nutrients, I was actually doing the opposite. And I said, you know, mom, I'm going to support you and I'm actually going to, I'm just going to follow what you're doing and I'm going to support you through it. And so the, the first big question, of course, for me was, will I become ill as I did before? Because I just want to make sure that I was eating a very complete and balanced um, nutrient spectrum. And so it just become it became a natural flow and because i'm more mindful around how i'm really balancing out my meals it just gave me so much energy and vitality and then just the thought of even knowing that vibrationally that i'm not charged with any sort of energy that the animal who was likely suffering is you know absorbed by me just already feels also very very relieving and so that was really the main, um, you know, sort of instigator behind why I did. And then I just continued and it just is the right fit. And, you know, I'm an environmentalist. Um, I have so much respect and honor for all the lives, even even the lives of plants that really give up their lives to sustain ours is, is to be honored. And so um, it just feels that, and again, not, not to be um, sort of generalized, but it feels that this is, this is almost um, a respect to our environment and a respect to our body and a respect also just to the sustainability of our planet. I completely agree with you. I'm also, I'm actually a vegan because um, um, since about six years and also someone in my family had a, had some health issues and that kind of really inspired me. But before that, I discovered vegan YouTube and I, I, I was a vegetarian for most of my life, but then I started to learn things about dairy, which really disgusted me. So I gradually eliminated that, but it was so hard you know, to give up things like, you know, cheese and, and milk, chocolate. And then there was a turning point where it was a health concern. And I felt that also it's kind of like a, a vibrational thing as yes. well. It's that um, I would consider myself to be, you know, plant, um, whole foods, plant-based. But I actually, am a, I organized some vegan dining events here in Barcelona and it's interesting because vegans kind of never agree on what the right way is. It's, it's like, oh, you're not vegan enough. Or some people think who use the word vegan, it's all about animals, animals, but, and they could, they're happy to eat really bad food because that's what you were talking about before. It's um, the vegan, the word vegan does not mean healthy. I think it's really important right. to be, I think it's important to be a kind of a shining example of what you're preaching. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, really we're, we're also focused on the whole plant-based whole food um, emphasis. And that's, I think, what is is also really, really important. And, you know, to your point, Venus, um, I never understood, you know, purchasing, let's say, vegan meat, right? Mm -hmm. like, th those, I, I just don't know how they go together. And, and so for me, like that just, it, it's either or. And so why not have some mushroom instead and just call it mushroom because it is mushroom instead of calling it, you know, a vegan burger because there's all these 
you know, these other things in that. And so um, I absolutely agree. And, and I think it's really important just to just to understand that by removing animals from our diet, there's also that responsibility of it just not focusing on processed food as being our primary nutrients or, or essentially what we look at food as because that is food like substance. It's not real food. It's food like substance. And it's important just to note the difference because um, the more that we want to start to eat in a natural way that does actually respect the environment, well, we have to also understand how a lot of this processed food is made and how that is damaging or harming the environment as it does come to our plates. Do you uh, believe in um, organic food? Do you um, organic? N- not for everything. Um, I, you know, again, it, it sort of for everyone, it, there's this place where you draw the line but generally for me if if I will eat or consume the peel of something then I would prefer for it to be organic so something like a banana um you know where you peel it's a very thick peel so not necessarily so and then of course there's the dirty dozen so you know you have certain fruits and vegetables that are generally um heavily pesticide compared to other fruits so apples and and strawberries being some of them and so, yeah, there's always an attempt to, however, it also gets so tricky these days. I don't know what you think about that, Venus, but it gets so tricky these days with the marketing and everyone can call anything organic and it may not necessarily be 100% organic, but there are, and especially in Canada, there's certain claims that you can make around something being organic. And even though it's not 100% organic from the moment that it was planted to the moment that it was harvested. And so that's just something also to be mindful of. Yeah, here in Barcelona, it's amazing because we have um, farmers markets. So I can buy directly from a farmer, and then you know it's actually quite cheap, and the the flavor is um, is incredible as well. So it's kind of actually no no, no difference in price. You just have to be a little bit more organized because it's not every day. You go Saturday morning and get get your produce, and it's nice because every time you go, um, because it's in season and local, every time you go there are different. There's different offer, you know. So it's kind of nice to respect the seasons as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Europe is always further ahead than North America. So we're going to catch up at some point. <laughs> Great. So speaking of a very controversial topic when you're into, you know, plant-based eating and um, and fitness. Um, so this this question must come up quite a lot for you. Can you really build muscle? I've seen your Instagram, so you can. But I mean, what do you say to that? When people say, you know, where do you get your protein from? Um, yeah. How would you say that? Muscle, protein, and what do you think is the best plant-based protein source? Oh, such a great question. And I'm so happy you asked that. And, you know, just just for fun, um, and I don't track my my macros or my calories or any of that. As you know, I'm Mm anti-diet. But what I wanted to do is just just get an idea of how much protein I was consuming. So when I did completely transition to plant-based in 2019, as I shared, I actually also downloaded my fitness app. Uh, my my fitness pal app and I started to just track my food and so without trying to focus on higher protein sources such as legumes um, and other you know vegetables and and plant-based food I was just okay let me just put a whole bunch of color on my plate that was my main goal as much color as possible I'm going to eat the rainbow and then I'm going to track things and actually specifically look for how many grams of protein are in this salad or in this meal that I, I put so Things like quinoa, um, you know, or or let's say brown or wild rice mixed with Brussels sprouts and some chia seeds um, and some hemp seeds. Every single meal would be approximately 25 to 33 grams of protein. And I wasn't trying. There was no That's effort amazing. that I was trying. Yeah, absolutely. And and then when you understand actually how protein is synthesized, it comes from plants. Yeah. So protein is is actually comes from plants. And then the animals eat the plants. And then we eat the animals, right? And so we're actually receiving protein in in the food chain, um, not even from its original source. And so again, if you look at in nature, apes, for example, their diet is 100% plants, and yet they're look at the lean body mass that they're able to build. And so this is actually a, a really big misconception. And I've never ever heard anyone in North America die or suffer from protein deficiency protein deficiency actually comes from starvation and so if you see for example populations in africa where they have marasmus and and other conditions due to protein deficiency it's actually entire nutrient deficiency and calorie deficiency which is why that ends up happening and so um it's amazing again not emphasizing 
uh, protein as that important magical, you know, macronutrient and just really trying to eat as diverse as possible, allowing your body to really receive nutrients from a wide range of spectrum of, of different types of vegetables and plants is really the way to get enough protein in your diet and then also to start to see that effect in the gym as you are doing resistance training. Amazing. So next question I have for you is what does it mean to be anti-diet? Oh, so good. So mm -hmm. coming back to um, to what we were talking about, about before, just being more intuitively in tune with your body. So throughout my journey, as I shared with you, when I when I first came into the fitness world, I was trying to find that right way to eat. And so I had actually gone through and experimented with all the different types of, of diets out there. There was the keto diet, and then there was the low fat diet and the low carb diet and all of these things. And and really, at the end of the day, what diets actually give us is information that is very, very confusing. And the more we search, the more we find scientific backup as to why we should or should not eat certain things. And so what that actually ends up doing is first making us very confused. Second of all, removing that intuitive connection that we have with our body, this, this inner intelligence where our body actually tells us or suggests to us what it needs in terms of nutrients. And so anti-diet essentially means that you're in tune with your diet, you're, with your body, you're, you're listening to what the diet for your particular body is, and you're not creating restrictions around certain foods because you're focused on body image or even focusing on wanting to release weight. And so I always get asked that question, how do you have a six pack? How are you so lean? And you're not, you know, you don't count your macros, you don't eat all this meat and protein. And really, it's because you start to listen to your body. It's it is this beautiful thing to be so in tune with your body and have it choose for you. And we can all get to that place if we actually just quiet down the inflammation of the body, focus on gut health, and really focus on removing some of the foods that cause inflammation, such as dairy, as you brought up, and just noticing if gluten also creates inflammation, and then you'll start to be able to pick up those cues as to what your body needs most. I think when people think about intuitive eating, um, does that mean if you fancy chocolate, you can have chocolate? And uh, how, how does it, where are the limits? Yeah, so good. And and I'm happy you brought that up because I see this also on Instagram, um, these these funny reels, which um, which unfortunately are are viral. But, you know, people eating donuts, this is intuitive eating and, and people eating fast food and this is intuitive eating. And no, intuitive eating is not suggesting or promoting disease or unhealth. But instead, it's actually really, again, listening to your body's cues. So imagine, Venus, if I gave you a bag of apples, okay, and I've got a five-pound bag of apples, and then I also have a gluten-free, vegan-free, uh, uh, rather vegan Oreo cookie box that I gave you, and I said, okay, eat as much as you can from both boxes, right? It's interesting to see how we could probably get through one or two entire rows of those Oreo cookies, but if I asked you to eat as many apples as you could possibly consume, I'm sure you'll stop around two, maybe three. Maybe you'll get the three, okay? But I, I, don't, I don't see most of us actually eating more than three or four apples in one sitting. And so that is just, again, the, the magnification and the display of intuitive eating is that when we start to eat foods that are natural and from our environment, directly the way nature intended and the way nature made it, there's only so much that we can actually consume because our body doesn't count calories, it counts nutrients. And that's why it's so easy to get into the rows and rows of, of Oreo cookies and donuts and still not feel satisfied. And so intuitive eating is not suggesting that we eat foods that are processed, but it also does indicate that there is this flexibility and this freedom and if we do have a piece of chocolate, then there is no guilt or shame around it. We don't need to eat the entire bar, but also that we realize that the body, again, is always seeking out nutrients and it's seeking out balance and reducing inflammation because that is what it favors. And our body builds up our cell membranes from that food that we eat. It builds up every single tissue and structure in our body from the food that we eat. And therefore, it'll always choose the foods that it is that is natural and the foods that it can actually use to help build and reconstruct the body. What do you think about cheat meals? Do you have a, a favorite cheat meal? I don't use the word cheat because cheat okay. is such a, right? It's, it's such a polarized word anyway. 
Um, and so, no, I food is just food for me. And if I were allowed to allow myself to choose, the majority of the time, 80%, 90% of the time, I'm eating whole foods and I'm, I'm, I'm not eating anything processed. And then every now and then I'll have a sweet tooth. And if I feel like having a pink chocolate, for example, I'll, I'll get the good stuff. You know, oh, yeah. it's going to be the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point because I have this really amazing shop called Organic, the Organic Market here. And they do this amazing chocolate, which... Um, because in Germany, they make a lot of really good products for, for, for vegans. But it's a vegan dark chocolate. I think it's black cherry chocolate. Mm. And it's just amazing. And it's organic. So I don't feel so guilty when I get some of that. Because it's just about maybe having a magnesium um, craving or something. Or... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So do you have any, uh, do you have do you have three tips, for example, for people who want to start 2024 in a healthier way? Yeah, absolutely. So... The first thing that I'll say, um, and this is something that I share often, is always establish consistency first before adding intensity. And normally when we think about New Year's or if we're about to turn the, you know, the big 4-0 or 5-0, we're always talking or thinking that we suddenly need to ramp everything up overnight. And so what I'll always say is just take it one bite at a time. And it's not the intensity that creates results. It is the consistency, which means that you consistently show up for yourself. And whether that means you show up for five minutes or an hour, it's so important that you just establish and build that muscle first, if you will, before you start to add on really the volume. And so it's always more challenging to go for a five minute walk, to go from couch to five minute walk than it is to go from five minutes to 60 minutes. And therefore, if you can master just that showing up for yourself, you're solid and you're fully committed. And then number two, always make sure that whatever you decide, whatever new habit that you take on, that it is enjoyable for you. Because if you enjoy what you're doing, if you enjoy what you're eating, if you're if you enjoy the activity that you're engaged in, it's always going to be super fun to show up for it. And then number three, I will invite you maybe to readdress your goals. So for example, if you have a weight loss, weight loss goal for 2024, let's say you intend to release 30 pounds, instead of having that as your goal, maybe set up a goal where you're actually wanting to become the person who is 30 pounds lighter. And that's really a very big shift because you're not focused on outcome, you're not just focused on the result, but you're actually focused on transformation. And so as you focus on becoming the person who is, what you're actually doing is setting up your entire life to support that goal, which means you would change how you're eating, you change how you're moving, you'd even change your personal environment in order to continue to support that goal. This one uh, thing I noticed about the language you used there, you said release 30 pounds. Is that really important to say something like that instead of lose? Yes, absolutely. And, and words are so important. Um, and I actually want to add on one more thing to that, but... When we lose our keys, we hope to find them. But okay. when we release something, we're really letting go. And okay. so that's a empowering word. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 along those lines, just, just again with language, whenever we're thinking about goals, for example, whenever we're thinking about, I wanna train three times a week, and instead of thinking about, I'm gonna try to do something or I hope to do something, which generally indicates that we're not fully committed or there's you know one foot in, one foot out, we want to actually use the words I am to have certainty. So I am training three times a week versus I hope to train three times a week or I'll try to work out three times a week next year. So just being a bit more certain with the words and then also the way that we speak to ourselves. And that's one of the greatest triggers of all is really our self-talk. If I have negative self-talk and I've started working out and I've started to really honor my health and start to focus on self-care, well, that self-talk is actually going to influence my results and not my actions. And so just being mindful of how we treat ourselves, imagine that we are speaking to our best friend or our child as we do speak to ourselves will make a massive shift. And we know that we we definitely show up and, are, and commit when we have more positive um, influence and, and positive intentions versus having that negative self-talk at all times. Definitely. I love it. Um, you know, three years ago, um, I went, I was in hospital with COVID and pneumonia. It was really quite shocking, actually. I was in, um, I was in hospital for 10 days and I was in a private hospital. So I got, I got like Instagram friendly vegan food. It was amazing. <laughs> it was really good. But all the doctors were saying to me, 
oh, your your blood results are really bad. You're going to have to get results or analysis every three months because you're a vegan. So it kind of gave, you know, the medical community were really kind of like not supportive. And I was thinking about, if you look at the, the people in the hospital, how many are vegan and how many are eating meat, you know? I was I was a, you know, right. an exception. And also I had really bad anemia because before I went to hospital, I didn't eat for 10 days because, I mean, I was so weak. So I was I had, I had really bad anemia. I had to have an iron transfusion. And then when I came out, um, I was kind of on a mission to become a really good, healthy vegan. So I had to eat a bit more iron. And mm. because it took me a while to get my strength back because of the pneumonia, I actually gained about 10 kilos, which is a lot. And uh, it really... I'd never gained that much weight in my life. I've maybe given or, or lost or released or, mm-hmm. or gained um, maybe five kilos hit, hit back and forth. But to 10 kilos was like, was to a point where I had to get new pairs of jeans and stuff. Then I went to a vegan, when I got better, I went to a vegan nutritionist and they put me on a high protein, low carb diet. And that, in the first month it was like, you know, I, I could get back into my jeans again. And I kind of liked the high protein because it was... Um, it made me fuller. It was interesting because I'm from an Irish family where it's all potatoes and bread. So it was right. kind of like brought up a lot on those starchy carbs. And and now I've just kind of learned the habits. So I've got into that um, habit now. It's been over two years, um, but um, I'm kind of a bit more lenient on myself. But at home, I, I kind of like have, continue with that. I want to lose about five more kilos. I'm thinking, how, how, do, how can I do it? Because I'm, I'm now thinking, should I incorporate all these things that I gave up, such as, you know, quinoa that you talked about earlier? And uh, it's, I guess some people just want to lose just about, you know, two, three kilos and, and not have a huge transformation, but maybe five kilos. Do you have any any tips on how to do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so so the nutrition aspect is, you know, that's one component. And then, of course, the exercise that we're doing is the other component. And then we'll divide the exercise into what I call purposeful and then non-purposeful exercise. And your purposeful exercise is really what you've scheduled in on your on your agenda. That could be your yoga, that could be your weightlifting session, that could be your cycling, whatever that is, that is actually a structured exercise time. And then the non-purposeful exercise, that is the most powerful and most often overlooked. And non-purposeful is really all the other movement that you do throughout the day. And so that includes, for example, walking. That is low impact movement throughout the day. And one really, really powerful shift that I would suggest to anybody who already feels like, okay, I've got I've got the diet rearranged and I'm really enjoying what I eat. I feel really good. I'm going to the bathroom well. I'm sleeping really well. That's all right. I don't want to restrict. I don't want to get into calorie deficit, which is really something important to note because the more we reduce our calories, what we actually do is start to slow down our metabolism too if we do that for a prolonged amount of time. And if you're also feeling like your training is going well, you're enjoying what you're doing, you've been showing up consistently, but you're still still a little something is missing, that's where we can then start to focus on the non-purposeful exercise. So adding something like 10,000 or 15,000 steps to our day is really, really powerful. And not that I count calories, but just to give you an idea, burning, let's say 10,000 steps per day. So committing to 10,000 steps per day burns anywhere between 350 to 600 calories, depending on your body weight. That is per day. So imagine if 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat. Imagine what would happen if I incorporated a daily ritual of minimum of 10,000 steps every single day. What could that look like by the end of the year? And so I would say, Venus, before you make any more changes around nutrition or any more changes even around training, if you don't already have a practice of daily steps or walking, then I would suggest maybe to look at that. And then if let's say we're currently at 3,000 or 4,000 steps as our daily average, then slowly start to ramp that up to 7,000, 8,000 until you make it to 10,000. Some tricks that I would suggest is, for example, doing your laundry, putting one article away at a time, um, you know, not asking someone to grab you a glass of water. These are the things that I do. And then I always make a joke that I have a pair of AirPods and I spend at least 10,000 steps a day looking for these AirPods and trying to find the case. <laughs> so so there's always ways to get creative around getting more steps um, in your day. But does that resonate with you? Absolutely. And I am in Barcelona. It's a very walkable city. I haven't been on public transport for, it'll be four years now in, in at the beginning of the next this year and 2024. So um, it's very easy to walk everywhere here. And I've just um, started doing salsa again, which is incredible because I have my phone in my 
like bum bag when I'm doing salsa and I see that it's like 10,000 steps just from dancing because it's counting oh, really? the steps. So every Saturday I do salsa, I get like 18,000 steps because it's uh, it's quite crazy. Ah, but what about things like uh, hormones? Because that kind of like, it gets hard. Because I remember, when, let's say in 2016, I was at a time in my life where I could eat anything and I was about... <laughs> 10 kilos less <laughs> I was vegetarian as well I was I was eating those Dr Wecker pizzas and um just eating whatever I wanted oh, wow. you know? and then now I yeah. am healthier and <laughs> heavier now mm -hmm. yeah so th that would have been the next thing to address and um actually intermittent fasting so it sounds like you're already getting your daily steps and so intermittent fasting can be something else that we try um, intermittent fasting is really amazing also at balancing hormones. And when we talk about hormones, normally we're thinking about the sex hormones, which is estrogen and progesterone and all that as being um, the effect. But actually the two main hormones that do lead to um, weight gain is insulin and cortisol. And so intermittent fasting helps correct that. And so to start intermittent fasting, and, and really the goal is not to reduce your calories, but the goal is to turn the body's digestive system off, upregulate the immune system. So now there's autophagy, there's all these other processes happening, and then getting the body also to learn how to tap into fat stores. So when we eat frequently throughout the day, let's say we wake up, we have breakfast, and a few hours later we snack, and then we keep eating all these small meals throughout the day, Yes, maybe caloric wise, it might be the right intake for us. But what we're also doing is getting the body adapted to use energy from the food that we eat right away. And so instead of tapping into fat reserves in the body, it's just going to look for the immediate source of energy that we give it. And so intermittent fasting is a very, very powerful tool to help really tap into fat stores, but also to balance out hormones. And then you can start off with something like let's say um, eight hours of eating. So your eating window is for eight hours and then 16 hours fasting. Um, and then to get there, of course, you slowly progressively get there as we spoke about the daily steps. So 12 hour minimum window is already effective enough to see to see a difference and to have an impact. So you can always start there and that's pretty simple. So let's say first meal at six, last meal at six. If you're already kind of, you know, in a smaller window, then maybe consider trying to do the 18, the, the 16, eight, and then eventually the 18, six, where you're eating in a six hour window. So first meal, let's say is around noon. And then last meal would be around 6 PM. And then to turn off the digestive system um, during that time while you're sleeping. And then also in the morning and then trying even to add in that daily walk in the morning. So while you are fasting is very, very powerful, but Again, I hope that we see this as progression and then starting with whatever feels comfortable, remembering that we have to establish consistency first before intensity in order for us to commit and stay sustainable. So the walk is probably better to do in the morning then, do you think? Is it more is it more effective? So in, it's very powerful if you do that that low steady cardio while you are fasting. So if you're feeling Right. So so in the morning, let's say you woke up in the morning, you haven't had breakfast yet. Maybe you had coffee or something like that. And by the way, when we talk about the fasting window, I also want to insert here that it's so important to focus on what is called a clean fast. So clean fast really means that you're having water, you're having black tea, you're having black coffee, you're not adding creamers, you're not adding anything that has any flavor in in your water or in your in your coffee, for example. Um, even if it's like a couple drops of almond milk, it's not the calories that matter. What matters is that you trigger insulin. So anytime that we release insulin in the body, the pancreas releases insulin and insulin's job is to collect blood sugar and bring it to the liver for storage as a form of glycogen or to the muscle tissue. So that's what that's what insulin does. But then the, the second role of insulin is also to suppress any release of stored energy. So while we're in storage mode, we're not also going to be burning our any stored energy. And the stored energy in the body is generally stored as fat. And so if you really want to tap into those fat stores, you want to make sure that you, you keep that clean fast. And then while you're in that clean fast, if you can do your daily walk, that is so incredibly powerful. You know, something I noticed when I, I only started going to the gym about... Um maybe six or seven years ago. I was kind of anti-gym before that. And what I found was really interesting was in January, there's all these new signups. All of the classes were busier. And that new kind of January energy only lasted for about 10 days. And people are, you know, these people are coming because they 
got a good deal. They paid the whole year and never went back again. Do you have any advice for people like that? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, that they might come under that category. Yeah, absolutely. And and that just comes back again to the intensity. And, and that's why generally we don't, we don't commit or we're also focused on, let's say, the end result. And so a couple of things happen that really forces us to bail or to quit on ourselves. And the first is that if we start off too strong. So if we're going from, you know, working out zero times a week to suddenly committing to five days a week, that is a massive jump. And then the second thing, too, is that people expect super fast results. So they may be going to the gym for two weeks and then they're not seeing these immediate insane results right away. And then that also causes them to back off. And then finally, that we don't actually plan for mishaps to happen or, or plan for us to derail at some point. So our fitness journey is not a straight line. It is this continuous curve, right? There's this constant flow because life events happen. We get ill. We get super busy at work. But that's why then the consistency comes in. And it's so important to remember that it's not about how much we do. It's just about how often we show up for ourselves. And so generally what I see and the reason why a lot of people, again, quit after they make this massive commitment to themselves is because they've never planned for mishaps. And then suddenly there is a mishap and they missed one day of a workout and now they feel like they failed or they sign up for these diets or challenges that promise them that in four or six weeks that there's going to be this insane transformation. And then if they miss a day or two, then, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to get that insane transformation or things don't happen fast enough for them. And then also, again, just just getting into it too strongly and not really allowing the body to adapt. And then there's only so much that we can keep up with that. Once again, you know, life events start to happen and then reality starts to sink in a little bit. Great. So I'm feeling motivated now. <laughs> I'm going to be walking more. So what are you working on at the moment? At the moment, um, in terms of business, I'm actually scaling um, my my course. So I have a course called Make Peace with Food, where I help women overcome out of control eating, such as binge eating, emotional eating, stress eating. And I launched this in a format in uh, last August. I had actually launched it last year and just changed the format a little bit. And right now for January, we're, we're going to be scaling that. So we're going to be able to bring in more women to support them through that. I'm also launching my Hitdex app officially in the in the store in January and marketing um, that too. So if anyone's looking for really simple workouts to do, my workouts are six to 12 minutes long. It's mostly body weight um, and it's a really great way to keep variety. That's also um, a great way to access it. And it's, of course, a free download. So if anyone's interested in that. Um, you can do that at home. You can do it. Yeah, Perfect. yeah absolutely. No equipment, just the body weight. There's body weight, there's minimal equipment. So light dumbbells, you get to choose though the equipment. If you want it to complete body weight, that's possible. Otherwise, things like elastic tubing, um, you know, little medicine balls, little dumbbells, those are the type of, of uh, equipment that you would need to follow along to. And I saw you're doing a retreat as well. Yeah, I just finished one up um, two weeks ago. It was in Costa Rica. And I have another one coming up in Greece. Um, next October. So I'm super excited about that. It's called uh, Transformation in Paradise Metamorphosis. And the the goal really is to help people overcome self-sabotaging behavior and any unwanted eating behavior that really gets in the way of their goals. And then just to get in that place where you're fully accepting and self-loving um, and focusing on all the elements of health at the same time. So I can imagine for me as a foodie, I, I would just be thinking about the amazing food. Did you have to test the food or... Unfortunately, I had to test it all. And <laughs> it's a great so, job. <laughs> yeah, great food is so delicious. And and even in Costa Rica, um, you know, we had also this gorgeous, gorgeous vegan food that we were eating uh, throughout the week. And I, I was able to share uh, cookbooks with everybody to be able to to make some of those dishes. So, yeah, I always find it's more powerful to share this type of food with people who eat animal food. And when they when yeah. they enjoy it and they feel satiated, that's really amazing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we had a lot of a lot of members coming to the retreat at about 15 people uh, join. And so a few of them were a little bit concerned about well, what do you mean? There's gonna be no chicken. Like, there's like not even one night of fish. I'm like, just just surrender to it. Let's see. Let's see how you feel like this. Let it be this big experiment. And then by the end of the week, I just couldn't believe it. The people who who were a little bit apprehensive around that just really enjoyed the food. 
Um, they got some new ideas also in, into their cuisine and whether they do decide to, you know, switch hundred percent or not, what I, what I noticed that they're starting to do now is incorporate more meatless meals, which already is, is a great start. Yeah. One thing I just remembered, actually, I remember I went to Ireland, um, earlier this year and, um, the Irish supermarkets have really improved and they used to be just potatoes and, you know, just the local produce. And, um, I was showing my auntie all of this vegan food that I had bought. And she said, I'd love to eat like that, but I can't because she's making food for the family and they don't want that. So what would you, I mean, that's a lot of women are in that position who are cooking for a family, but they, they want to, you know, not have to create or different dishes. They want to just have one dish for the family. What advice would you give to those people? Yeah, that's so great too. And, and, and that's a, that's a really important question because what we want to also make sure that we don't do is, you know, not cook 10 different meals so that we're pleasing every single person. And so, and, and, you know, my family, like my kids, they, you know, they like fish every now and then, and, and I do like to make that for them. And so I'll have my, my main meals of, um, you know, it could be potatoes and vegetables and there's quinoa and there's, and that is the main meal. And then on the side, there could be that additional, you know, sort of supplement for, for those who want it, but it becomes very easy when you're focusing on the main meal being hundred percent vegetarian or vegan or, or whatever it is that you're wanting to focus on. And then just on the side, having that other option for people, instead of having it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, what I've actually noticed that does is it exposes, you know, exposes us to new tastes and, and new dish ideas. And one of the, the think limiting beliefs that I oftentimes hear is that vegan food doesn't taste good, that there's no, that there's no flavor. And so just again, to overcome that, have the main meals just really represent the deliciousness and all the flavors that are possible from focusing and cooking 100% plant-based and then having the other options for those that uh, that are wanting it. And, you know, I would say even most of the time, I wouldn't even have that supplement available for my kids and, and they're they're completely happy eating lentils and, and all this delicious food and, and it's so easy to make curries. And if you have access to the two, I think most powerful tools in the kitchen is a pressure cooker and then an air fryer. Because if you have access to those two tools, oh my goodness, you can create absolutely anything in moments. Um, and it's really delicious to make. I made asparagus last night in in my um, air fryer, just a little bit of garlic, a couple drops of oil and uh, just perfection. So um, also having those gadgets is is really helpful too. Yeah, I think my number one kitchen appliance is the Vitamix. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, for soups and everything. Especially now I'm going to make a pumpkin red lentil soup tonight. I'm, I, I can make it and, you know, boil it first and then put it in the Vitamix with turmeric and ginger. And it's, it's my sacral chakra soup. <laughs> <laughs> sacral chakra soup. It feels all orange. <laughs> a couple of quick questions for you. What's the book that changed your life? Oh, goodness. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I think... I'm going to say the untethered soul. Um, okay. I would probably live. The untethered soul was was a very very important one for me. I have gone to visit Michael Singer a few times since, but I probably listened to it. And this this is an understatement. At least 14 times when my mom passed, and it really just helped me just get into that uh, place of acceptance. Yeah, amazing. I read um, the Surrender Experiment a few couple of months ago. Just love that book. Yeah, yeah so good, so good. Do you have a phrase or affirmation that you live by? Um, I have a few, but the one I think I want to offer today is in God, I move and breathe and have my being. And this I, I say and I practice while I'm doing my deep diaphragmatic breathing. And it just reminds me that I surrender to a higher power and that I am comfortable in the uncomfortableness of uncertainty. That's amazing. That's total surrender then. <laughs> yeah. So where can people find you? So you can get in touch with me on my Instagram. It's probably the easiest way to reach me at Sherry Shaban Fitness. I do have a link there as well to grab free downloads, free workouts as well, and many free resources. And then of course, the podcast is a great place as well to listen to conversations to help you shift into that place where you are falling in love with fitness and falling in love with the journey and ultimately yourself. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Venus. I loved it. The book I'm reading now is The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz. 
This is this book has been on my to read list for quite a long time. I used to be in the personal development book club and someone brought this book along and I thought, wow, the title really impacted me because I thought that's exactly what I need. I need to think big instead of thinking small. I think over the years I've become very used to thinking small and also the scarcity mindset, which does have a bad reputation, but it's not all bad. I think in scarcity, there is a lot of creation. <laughs> I, know I, I feel like that anyway. And also resilience. I've had a lot of times in my life where I've had to make do with not many resources. And um, that has actually inspired me to be more creative and also to be more grateful. So it's hard for me to kind of break out of that mindset sometimes and to be able to think bigger, because I think our lives, our realities are the reflection of how we think of ourselves. I think self-concept has been a really big struggle for me over the last year, I would say. I think self-concept is about how I see myself. It's a bit deep, deeper though, something different than self-love or self-esteem. And I've really struggled with that. I remember, I mean, I'm actually a member of um, a private members club. And sometimes I just walk into this room where everyone's working. I just feel so invisible. And sometimes when I make content, I feel invisible as well. And even if I'm in WhatsApp groups, I I tend to think, oh, I'm not going to um, participate because people will just be, you know, these groups are really annoying and no one's going to be, no one's going to notice if I don't actually participate in the discussion. Yeah, it's kind of a bad thing, really. But just over the last few months, actually, I've started to come out of my shell in many ways in my professional life and also in my personal life. And I also, I host a group here called Barcelona Conscious Connections, which at first um, it was it was quite hard for me just to kind of be a good leader and greet everyone who came and make small talk with people. Um, and I'm definitely getting better at that. And I, what I can see around me is that so many people are appreciative of my efforts of creating these events. And I see lots of friendships form around me, but real, authentic, deep friendships. And everyone is kind of acknowledging that I made it happen. And that makes me feel so good. And I guess, I don't know if it's a good thing to say, but I am kind of getting validation from external sources, which is really helping me. And people think that's a really bad thing. So obviously validation should come from within, but it really does help to see others um, acknowledge your efforts. And I'm trying to kind of work from within with things like this book, The Magic of Thinking Big. And some of the, so I'm going to read the list of contents here of the chapters. Believe you, believe you can succeed and you will. Cure yourself of excusitis, the failure disease. Build confidence and destroy fear. How to think big. How to think and dream create creatively. You are what you think you are. Manage your environment. Go first class. Make your attitudes your allies. Think right toward people. Get the action habit. How to, how to turn defeat into victory. Use goals to help you grow and how to think like a leader. Let me read the blurb to you. Be inspired to capitalize on the power of now. David J. Schwartz's classic teachings are as compelling today as when they were first published in 1959. Bold, empowering and hugely engaging. This book will help you combat negative thinking and harness your creativity so you can not only aim high, but exceed your goals. Updated for the 21st century, this is your go-to guide for high achievement in any area of your life, starting with the way you think. This is a very easy book to read, and I kind of agree with a lot of what it was saying, and I can see how, I'm just reading one chapter a day, so kind of like trying to incorporate those lessons into my everyday life. And it's, um, it's definitely something to go back to. And I'm reading it thinking, wow, I wish there was a workbook with this because I, I can see how a lot of the um, tips in it could become exercises as well. So I'm trying to do this uh, process of uh, consensual brainwashing to actually help myself think bigger. And it's definitely working, not just this book, but other actions that I'm taking as well. And one thing it talks about here is, um, you know, action is the best way to kind of get over fear and, and fear of failure is just do stuff, you know, rather than thinking about all the things that can go wrong. And there's something else which is really working for me as well is whenever I have contact with clients, for example, in November or it's October, I went to Germany twice. And it's just so nice to actually be face to face with people who are directly impacted by my content, particularly my 
sex tech consulting work and my um, product education um, content, which is really helpful for a lot of people in the sexual wellness space. And because sometimes I'm making all this content and I don't really get uh, that much feedback or guidance. And to actually be face to face with people who are directly being impacted by that is just very, very um, affirming and confirming for me. It's really, really cool. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I have um, some big plans for this year about growth. And this, this this podcast has been growing a lot over the last um, couple of months. So that's always helpful to actually see the numbers rising. That really um, encourages me as well. That's why we're doing more um, frequent uploads now. So there's a lot, a lot to share. So it's, it's uh, all part of the magic of thinking big process that I'm doing now. So if you have any negative beliefs or maybe a negative mindset, I would really recommend this book as well. And it's made me rethink how I speak about people around me and how I interact with certain people. Because I've seen um, there are some people who are very close to me who have this very negative mindset. And I think it's maybe worth um, trying to maybe give advice to snap them out of it or maybe limiting time with people like that and trying to be a very good example in terms of when you speak about other people, not not to be bitching or getting, getting into those low vibration conversations around gossip and always saying something good if you have to say something about someone else. And I think that that's a kind of karmic thing as well, just to be, <clears throat> just to have some integrity and um, be honorable and just be a nice person. And it's, it's it, all these things are very, very much um, aligned with the teachings of this book as well. So, and also seeing opportunity instead of obstacles wherever there is a challenge. And yeah, and just to keep on going and keep making actions. If something is not working, to try something new. So there's many, many practical tips in this book. And even though it's a classic, it's still very much, um, the lessons are very apl- applicable to today. So I'd recommend this to anyone who is having, a, um, who has a limited mindset. And I think that's most of us, to be honest. Um, But yeah, I think um, this book is fantastic. It's going to be one of my favorites, actually. So that is The The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing Get comfortable, take a deep breath, and enjoy. I am strong. I am healthy. I am dedicated to nourishing my body with healthy choices. I am grateful for the strength and energy gained through exercise. I make healthy choices. 
you like to boost your libido? If so, check out InnoDrive for Her from InnoSupps. It's your ticket to kicking those menopausal symptoms and hormonal weight gain to the curb, all while keeping things positive and in hormonal harmony, the natural way. The wonderful thing about InnoDrive for Her is that there are no artificial sweeteners, fillers, or dodgy additives. It's made with good, clean ingredients. And it offers many perks, natural hormonal balance, a turbocharged sex drive, and ultimate satisfaction. It can help you conquer hormonal weight gain and boost your mood and energy levels. If you're curious, head over to InnoSupps.com. That's I-N-N-O-S-U-P-P-S.com. And use the code VENUS at the checkout for 20% off any purchase. Check out the link in the show notes and enjoy that little extra oomph. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening, have an orgasmic week, and make sure every day is a climax. Climax.